Okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. You guys haven't heard my voice in about a week. Nice Christmas break. I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas. I hope I hope everybody enjoyed their families or, you know, if you couldn't see your family yet, you know, through Zoom and so forth, all that good stuff. I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas. We got a lot to get into. A lot to get into. First off, let me shout out to all the first-time listeners. Let me shout out to the regular listeners. Let me shout out to the Spotify listenership, the Apple Podcast listenership, the iHeartRadio listenership. Um, and if I didn't shout your DSP out, please continue to listen, and I thank you guys. Um, so welcome back to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid. Um, and so let's get into it. Let's not, let's not waste any time. So, you know, we're going to talk about the Clippers. Of course, we're going to talk about some NFL football. My, I'm going to go over my Super Bowl contenders. I feel very confident about it. I laid out, I, I laid out my Super, my Super Bowl contenders, um, last week, I think, but I feel even more confident about it going into the last week of the regular season. I'm going to talk about Dwayne Haskins, of course, and let's start right there. Let's start right there with Dwayne Haskins. Let's start because I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm from D.C. I'm from Washington, D.C. And Dwayne Haskins, of course, he played for the Washington football team. But if you didn't know, Dwayne Haskins is from the Washington. He's from the DMV area. And... I, I told I, I so I, I and I got on him pretty harsh last week because of the strip club incident. I got on him pretty. I was I was I was I was I was down on him pretty pretty. I got on him pretty badly because of the strip club incident on the previous episode that you guys can go back and listen to if you haven't heard it. But I talked about how that was very selfish and. Um, it showed a lot. It showed me this guy's immature. He's not ready. He lacks maturity. He's not ready to run a multi-billion-dollar business. You can't give him the keys to a multi-billion-dollar business. That's with that incident last week. Any, you know, it's there's been multiple red flags. There's been multiple symptoms. Symptoms of oh yeah, Dwayne Haskins. He's just not ready. I had an inside source. I told you guys on a previous episode. I had an inside source tell me Dwayne Haskins, you know, he, he work ethics just ain't there. He's not the he's not the type of guy that's the first one in, last one out. I had ins, I had I had sources tell me that. I told you guys that on on a previous episode. But before I even get into like in depth, let me first say. Um, Dwayne Haskins, this is, and and let me, and let me say this, Washington, the Washington football team, they haven't had a great history of developing young quarterbacks. They haven't, they, they like, let's, let's be honest. They haven't when they had their success in the, in the eighties and in the early nineties, it, they they had guys that they draft like Joe Theismann. They drafted Theismann, but Theismann didn't automatically come in right in and play. Um, they, they you know they didn't draft Doug Williams. They signed Doug Williams. 
They didn't draft Mark Brunel. They, they, they like they signed Mark Brunel. So when they had success, it's not because they drafted quarterbacks and they developed quarterbacks really well. So Washington, they do take a bad Washington has a bad reputation, and rightfully so, for developing young quarterbacks or lack thereof. But let me get this. I'm, I'm, I got two. I have two crucial points that I often talk about on this podcast, and I, I talked about. I think I talked about both of these points throughout the NFL offseason this past summer, or well, this past yeah, yeah, this past summer. I talked about these points. First, maturity. Maturity and and, and, and and judgment. And it's a reason, and people ask me all the time, oh, how does uh how does Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater keep getting these jobs? How do they keep getting jobs in the league? How do they stay in the league for so long? It's not that Case Keenum and Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater are like great quarterbacks. No, they they both have limitations. They both they they're both they both have limitations. Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is a bit younger. Case Keenum is a bit older, but they both have limitations. And you know, Case Keenum's more of a backup in the league, and Teddy Bridgewater is more of a mediocre starter. He's a he's a mediocre starter or a really good backup, as as he showed in New Orleans last year. In Case Keenum, he had his moments, and like in Minnesota, you know, Minnesota a couple years ago, he had his moments. But those guys, they have limitations, and they are who they are. But the reason why they continue to get jobs, and the reason why that you 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 know you keep seeing them on different rosters, and they get they, every time every every other off season, they're getting new contracts because they're mature. They're mature in the locker room. They're mature in the locker room. They 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 they're not they're not a cancer to the team. Yeah, they they have limitations as a quarterback. Yeah, they're not they're not top tier high end quarterbacks, but they don't they don't lack maturity. And with and too much Dwayne Haskins, even in his young career, which is on the rocks right now, even in his young career, we have seen multiple red flags of immaturity. And he's and how old is he? He's like 22, he's like 22, 23. He's 22, 23 years old. So I'm not saying, hey, you got to be the most mature guy. No, I'm not saying that. But as a quarterback, uh, and you and you you're draft, you're a first rounder, you're going into a franchise that's worth almost that's worth a couple billion dollars, you gotta be somewhat mature. You gotta be able to handle it. You gotta be able to show that you can handle this. And too much of the time with Dwayne Haskins. You know, last year after his first career win, he was taking selfies um, before the game had even ended. He was taking selfies, uh, selfies, and he was in, in, and he missed the last the, the last snap of the game. He tried to sneak a girl in. You know, you know, breaking COVID protocols. You know, earlier this year, I think after the Baltimore game. Even though Washington had lost, Dwayne Haskins after the game he was bragging how he was bragging about his stats. Even though they lost, I heard I heard players didn't take that too well in the locker room. Rightfully so. 
rightfully so. And then, you know, the strip club incident, the most recent incident, the strip club incident with no mask. That was, and like I said, that was a very selfish move. That was not, that was not mature. And after a loss and you have, and just looking at the stakes, looking at the stakes that like, like Washington this past Sunday, let me give you guys Dwayne Haskins performance this past Sunday. He was 14 of 28 for 154 yards and two picks. God awful. He was absolutely awful. He was, he was, he was overthrowing guys, throwing picks, bad. I mean, just horrible decision making. Horrible decision making. But instead, instead of getting ready and prepping for the next game, for this, you know, for this game last week, he went to the strip club with no mask. And not only is that he's not only been a detriment to himself, but that was very selfish because your teammates, like, like I said, Washington is on the brink of a playoff berth. And I know just as well as anybody, I'm from the area. I'm from Washington. I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm from the, I'm from the area. One thing I can say about these, like, the Washington, the organization hasn't been great in the last, in, in the last 20 years. Since my existence, they have not been great. They have been utter just dysfunctional. But I must say, the Washington fans, when they show up and they show out, and they're very proudful, they're very prideful about their team. And a playoff berth, being so close to a playoff berth, and given the fact all of the things that Ron Rivera has had to come up against, he like Ron Rivera, he he's going through cancer, chemotherapy, you know, trying to turn around this dysfunctional organization he's a minority coach and Dwayne Haskins does that and then it's not only the immaturity part it's not only the immature part but then it's the play on the field the play on the field it's just been it's I, I, I've read you guys the numbers I've read the numbers out to you guys it's awful so the so the bad performances the bad play and the immaturity and just the decision making off of the field, his actions, it goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. So that's my first point. The reason why guys like you, you ever wonder why guys like Josh McCown and Nick Foles and and and, and Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater, if you ever wonder why they continue to find themselves on rosters, even though they are very limited as far as their talent and their and as far as their ability, it's because it's the simple fact that they they're mature. They know how to handle themselves. Dwayne Haskins, you know, was the complete opposite of that. And he said, like, at you know, doing the press game conferences and stuff, like, in front of the media, he said all the right things, but actions speak louder than words. His actions were just implicable. Like, it was just unexplainable. And, and, and I, I want to also put something in perspective. Do you know how bad you have to be to get cut as a first-rounder? 
Like when a team drafts you in the first round, and, and I know this, like with Ron Rivera and his regime, I know, I know the previous regime they drafted Dwayne Haskins, but still, even with the previous regime drafting Dwayne Haskins and Ron Rivera and his coaching staff are new. Do you know how bad you have to be to get released as a first rounder two years in? You just have to, you have to be utterly just garbage to get cut and released as a first rounder and within the first two years, because as a first rounder, you're like, okay, teams usually give you the, the thought process of being a first round draft pick in the NFL is okay. You are a big investment because we draft you in the first round, first round picks, obviously, like, you, like you're big. You, you're supposed to have some type, you're supposed to make some type of impact. And we're going to give you a long rope to do so. We're going to give you a long rope to do so. They, they usually give you three, four years to do so. They cut this guy, bef they cut Dwayne Haskins before the season ended. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because the play is awful. And then the immaturity. The immaturity. So that's my first point. And then my second point that I consistently bring up on this podcast is you look at. Also, before I move on to my second point, we got to we got to we got to start. We got I, I don't know as people. Like with this whole college sports thing and college athletics and these coaches, we got to start listening. We have to start listening to the coaches and when they speak about these players. Because Dwayne Haskins, he played one year at Ohio State and it was time for him to get drafted. He had a, and he had a good, he had a good year. At, he had a good year. That one year, he had a good year at Ohio State. He threw for like fifty. He threw like fifty-one touchdowns and so forth. Like he had, a, like it's it's Ohio State. He had a good year, but Urban Meyer was eggs. Excuse me. Urban Meyer was eggs. Is Dwayne Haskins ready to play in the NFL? And Urban Meyer said no. Urban Meyer said no, and. We are so caught up in this whole entire fight with like with with college athletics, and I get it. Like kids, college football, especially college college football, is making too much money not to pay kids. But we also have to look at the other side of the spectrum, and we can't just deem all of these college coaches as like the devil <laughs> or like just demons. Like no, like no. Because some people took that as, oh, Urban Meyer wants he just wants to he just want to keep Haskins at Ohio State because he wants to win games. Urban Meyer is going to win games regardless, and Urban Meyer he's no longer at Ohio. He's not he's not coaching Ohio State no more. But it's Ohio State. Like Ryan, it, whether it be Urban Meyer or Ryan Day, Ohio State is going to win games with or without Dwayne Haskins. They 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 were they were winning games and championships with, with before Dwayne Haskins, and they're going to win games and championships. After Dwayne Haskins. Simple as that. Because it's Ohio State. It's a powerhouse. But 
that was the that was the absolute one that was the first red flag of signs of possible of signs of immaturity when urban meyer said hey haskins not quite ready to play in the nfl he he's going to get drafted but he's not quite ready to play in the nfl urban meyer made that clear but then also also get this my second point that i consistently make is this we have to be careful careful of quarterbacks in these big time programs and you're probably like what do you mean by that so like i said haskins had a good year at ohio state he threw for 50 touchdowns had a big time year at ohio state and the reason why i say we gotta be careful about how we judge quarterbacks at big time programs is this you can tell when a guy has it. Like Trevor Lawrence has it. Trevor Lawrence has it. He has the it factor. And Clemson is a totally different team when he's on the field, when he's off the field. As we saw versus Notre Dame. Nor they, they 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 went up to Notre Dame, they lost Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence. They played Notre Dame in the ACC Championship. Tre Trevor Lawrence, they, you know, just they Notre Dame just completely got destroyed. But my point is you look at the quarterbacks of the NFL that's having success. Look at the guys that's having big time success, and that is and like look at the elite quarterbacks. Look at the good quarterbacks in the NFL, and you tell me what college they went to. Patrick Mahomes. Look at this. Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech, not a big time powerhouse. And I'm talking about the powerhouses that you, that's 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 making that's that you hear about all the time oh the oklahomas the ohio states the alabamas the georgias it's a it's 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 a reason i'm not saying and, and get this by no means i'm not saying if a quarterback goes to lsu or or to one of these big time programs i'm not saying they're not going to be a, a good nfl quarterback because i look at a guy like joe burrow he's a good quarterback and he went to lsu but i'm saying with those, when you go to those powerhouses, most of those guys are NFL guys, and those guys are hot. Those guys are usually high end, really good skill players. But when you go, when you're a first round, when you're a first round pick, and when you're a first round quarterback, and you go into situations where the offensive line isn't that great, and you go into situations where your playmate, you don't have the playmate, the same playmakers that you had at an Alabama or the Ohio State, it can be difficult. It can be difficult, and you have to be able to overcome. And when you look at quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes who went to Texas Tech, Josh Allen who went to Wyoming, uh, Aaron Rodgers who went to junior college and then to Cal, you look at Russell Wilson who went to NC State, then to Wisconsin. You look at those guys, and you and you and you always wonder how are they how how are they always over they're always able to overcome certain situations. It's because first, I mean, they're great quarterbacks and they're elite talents, obviously, but they played with average pieces in college, and that's somewhat prepares them. That's somewhat prepares them. I, I mean, that's somewhat that's somewhat that's somewhat prepares them. Look at look at I I I, I dare you guys go look at the playoff quarterbacks. Go look at the go look at the quarterbacks that's going to make the playoffs this year. There, there's not going to be a lot of quarterbacks that went to big time powerhouse 
five-star programs. I, I don't know what it is, but it's just a, it's just a correlation that I that I that I found last year. I talked about it last year. Look at you can go back and look at last year playoff quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo went to Eastern Illinois and he got to this like it. Just look at it. There's correlation there. There's there is correlation there. So when you so when, when Haskins at Ohio State around all these playmakers, when you get when he gets to Washington, Washington, they don't have the playmakers on the outside. They don't have the elite weapons. They don't have the simplified play calling that you got at Ohio State. No, it's it's different. The the language is different as far as like you know as far as the play calling. The language is different. You don't have the elite playmakers that you had at Ohio State, even though you had your former teammate Terry McLaurin. You don't, but you don't have the elite playmakers that you had at Ohio State. You don't have, you don't, you don't have to go. You, you're every week you're facing equal competition. Like at Ohio State, I mean, most times you play, most of the teams that you play, Ohio State is better than. You're playing against inferior competition, but in NFL, damn near equal. And if you're a first round quarterback, depending on where you get drafted at, you're playing on an inferior team. So it all goes hand in hand. It all goes hand in hand. And with Dwayne Haskins, I, I wish him the best, but I knew it was a wrap. I knew I, I I knew it was going to be a wrap. And that is what I have. That is what I have about Dwayne Haskins. I, I knew it was going to be a wrap. <clears throat> I knew it. And let's move on. Let's move to let's talk about my my Super Bowl contenders um going into week 17. This is the last week of the, this is the last week of the regular season and I must say I pulled out I so I, a couple weeks ago, I think a couple episodes ago. Let me stop, let me stop saying a couple a couple episodes ago, I gave you guys a list of my of of teams that could win the Super Bowl, teams that could make a Super Bowl run, teams that could make a Super Bowl run, and today, as we stand right here today, I feel even more confident from this past weekend about my list of teams that could make a Super Bowl run, and and okay, so I had Kansas City. Coming, I had Kansas City and Buffalo as my AFC teams that I think that can win the Super Bowl. And then in the NFC, I had Green Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans. Those are my five teams that I think today could win or get to the Super Bowl. And I must say this about the Green Bay Packers because I've been very skeptical and critical of the Packers in their front office. Um, I know they don't have an owner. But I've been very skeptical and critical of it. And I, I thought they could have added another receiver alongside Devontae Adams. Um, I thought they could have added a run-stopping linebacker because Green Bay had he they had trouble stopping the run. But but this past Sunday night versus the Titans, it showed me what I needed to see from the Packers. And I saw what I saw from the Packers on Sunday night. 
I saw a team that won convincingly versus a really physical team because I talked, I've been talking about this all year long with the Packers, how they're not physical up front. They're not physical enough up front. And, you know, Derrick Henry and the Titans and the way how they're able to run the ball, it don't get it, it don't get any more physical than that. And they were able to stop the run, and that's what I needed to see. They won in convincing fashion. They had Ryan Tannehill, you know, a bit rattled. They got a couple interceptions. That's what I needed to see. I think right now, Green Bay, if they're not, I, I don't know what to say, but Green Bay, they are absolutely, they're my favorite to coming out, coming out the NFC. They're my favorite. And I talk, I talk very highly of Patrick Mahomes last week. And I must say, my MVP is going to be Aaron Rodgers. If I had a vote, my MVP would be Aaron Rodgers. Um, you look at the storyline. You look what he has. I mean, do you see what he has to overcome? Um, he played four games this year without Devontae Adams. So, like, 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 listen to these numbers. Aaron Rodgers lead the league in passer rating. He has a 70 completion percentage. 4,000 yards, 44 touchdowns, and five interceptions. 44 touchdowns and five interceptions. P ladies and gentlemen, please don't take those numbers for granted because those you don't those are not everyday numbers. I know this is a I know this is a high scoring league. I, I I get that, but those numbers don't take those don't take that for granted. 44 touchdowns and five interceptions. You don't see that touchdown. You don't see that touchdown interception ratio at all. You don't see that a lot. You 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 do not see that a lot. You don't. So please don't take it for granted. At the age of thirty-seven, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this year. Um, and, and just think about what would what, what would Green Bay be without Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> like they they can't attract free agents. They don't particularly draft well. They don't have an owner. What 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 would Green? It's it's becoming clearer and clearer. Green Bay needs Aaron Rodgers more than Aaron Rodgers needs Green Bay, and that's a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. And I and and one last thing about Green Bay. Green Bay. The reason why they're the favorite first, they're showing me that they can stop the run. Their secondary has been playing really well this season, but. The struggle defensively for Green Bay was stopping the run. That's why I was I kept I kept nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking at that because that's critical. You got to be able to stop the run. They showed me they can stop the run, so I, I, I'm 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 a bit sold um, on 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 Green Bay. I'm a bit sold on Green Bay, and also they have home field advantage. And when you and when you think about what team is built. In the NFC, what team is built to go up to Lambeau Field in mid to late January and potentially pull off an upset versus Green Bay? You look at New Orleans, yes, they have a really good roster. Yes, they have a really talented roster. Um, but do you trust Drew Brees and Inclement Weber? Do you trust Drew Brees, you know, coming off of this off of these rib injuries? First. It's bad enough that Drew Brees really can't stretch the field. 
He can't, he can't, like, Jubilees can't stretch the field. New Orleans can't beat you over the top. But then you add the factor of his arm, the potential weather. You, we don't know what, we don't know what it's going to look like in Lambeau in late January. So that is, that, that's all a factor. And Green Bay already beat New Orleans without Devontae Adams. They beat New, they beat New Orleans without Devontae Adams. So I don't I don't particularly think New Orleans is built to go up to Lambeau and win a playoff game. You look at a team like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, are they built to go up to Lambeau and win a game? I don't know. First, Tampa Bay is way too inconsistent. Tampa Bay is way too inconsistent for my liking. But then I look at the fact that Green Bay can get the Tom Brady and they can rattle him. They can rattle Tom Brady. They can get to the quarterback. That's a that, that's gonna be big. I look at a team like Seattle. I like Seattle. It seems like they're getting back. They're, 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 Seattle's very interesting because they're hitting their stride at the right time. Their defense is really good, and they and they have the ability to run the football. They do. But uh, uh, is this defense is this defense ready for Aaron Rodgers and the way how he's been playing? I'm not sure. But then I look at a team like the Rams. The Rams, I think, are a team. They're very it's very it's very close between the Rams and Seattle. But the Rams are a team that's built to go up to Lambeau Field and win a football game. But are the Rams even going to make the playoffs? We don't know. How was Jared Goff in his tiny hands? We don't know. We, 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 we just don't know. We don't know. But the Rams are able to run the football effectively. They play great defense. They're able to get to the quarterback. Their secondary is really good. They have the bodies to match up in the secondary. So the Rams, if you ask me what team is built to go up to Lambeau Field and win a football game, it's probably, it's probably between the Seahawks and the Rams. But the Rams, I don't, I, I don't even know they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not even sure if they're going to make the playoffs. And I, I still like Seattle's defense. It's it's turned around. It's it's really turned the corner, and it's in, it's turned into a, a good defense. But is it ready to stop Aaron Rodgers? Can it get enough stops versus Aaron Rodgers? That is the only question. But Green Bay right now, they they are the favorites to come out the NFC. Um, because it, you know, not only because they're they have a really good team, but it's going to be really hard for a team in this type of year in this format to go up to Lambeau Field and win a playoff game. And let's move on. So, I talked about this also. Josh Allen, Josh Allen. You know, a lot of people think he's very sporadic, and he was. He's he's a he was his first two years in the league. He was a loose cannon. He, he, you know, we always knew he had the talent and the playmaking ability. Like, oh yeah, this guy can really sling it. But now he's really showing it, and now he's poised. He's not making a lot of mistakes. And he's not throwing a lot of interceptions. And I talked about this, but Josh Allen is setting a precedent with as far as far as he was a low percentage passer coming into the league, and usually. When you're not accurate, accuracy, like I told you guys, when you when you hear these when you hear these quarterback gurus talk about 
quarterbacks and in the, in, in the skill sets and you know how accurate they are they usually say accuracy accuracy is not something that you can improve like drastically it's something that you can't improve you either have it or you don't but josh allen is like i, I told you guys this a couple weeks ago he is setting a president as far as he has turned that narrative around he's like no accuracy is something you can drastically improve on because I'm seeing I'm seeing Josh Allen do it. I'm seeing Josh Allen do it. So in Buffalo right now, oh my God, Buffalo Buffalo's the hottest team in the league. Buffalo looks scary, and 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 I would beware of Kansas City. And this is the thing with Kansas City. I know everybody's talking about oh Kansas City barely won. First of all, when people so this is the thing with Kansas City. I think I'm Kansas City is somewhat like goat like Golden State. The game, it just comes so naturally and easy and all of the talent that Kansas City have. Offensively, it just naturally comes. It, it they, they just it just organically comes. And they're just waiting for the postseason. And that's what the, that was, that was the Warriors. The Warriors, something like, do you guys remember when the Warriors with KD and Steph and Clay and Draymond, they were just so dominant where, they knew, they knew what the ultimate goal was, and the ultimate goal was to win a championship. But in the eighty-two game regular season, is it's very hard and very easy to get distracted and to stay the course. So sometimes Golden State would lose some regular season games. You're like, oh, what's going on with Golden State? But then you're like, they turn it on the postseason, and with Kansas City. You get, I get some of that same feeling. Like, it's just the game comes to them so easily and they're so dominant where they're just waiting for the postseason and then that's when they're going to hit their stride. But Kansas City must be careful of that because football and basketball, totally different. <laughs> totally different. But the Bills right now, the Bills are the hottest team in the league. Their defense is now starting to click on all cylinders after a slow start. Actually, the Bills, if you guys remember correctly from last year, the Bills look like the Chiefs from last year. Remember, stay patient with me. Hang on. The Bills... I mean, the Chiefs last year, remember, they were 7-4, and four, and Mahomes, had the, he had the knee injury, and their defense wasn't playing well. Their defense was giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Their defense wasn't playing well, but, but, but around, like, week 11, week 12, they started to turn around, and their defense turned into a good defense, a top-10 defense. Uh, Patrick Mahomes got back healthy, and they were clicking on all cylinders, and they were the hottest team going into the playoffs. And you're, I'm getting some of that same mojo from from Buffalo. Buffalo, look, Buffalo started off slow. I mean, well, they started off pretty quickly, but then in the mid in the mid part of the season, their defense was struggling. It gave up a lot of yards. Um, they couldn't get off the field on third down. Josh Allen went through his – he had a rough October. He went through a rough October. But now they're starting to pick it up. They're starting to – they're hitting their stride. 
And it reminds me a little bit of the, of, of, of the Chiefs team from last year where they hit their stride later on in the year and that just followed them and carried over to the playoffs. And we all, we all know what happened. The rest is history. Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying Buffalo's going to win the Super Bowl, but they are they are a legit Super Bowl contender. And if you don't think so, if you think otherwise, please look at the games. They are a legit Super Bowl contender without a shout of a doubt. They are they are they are a legit Super Bowl contender. <clears throat> and um I'm just going to move on. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be back. I'm going to talk about the Clippers and some NBA talk. The Clippers and some NBA talk after this quick break. On to the Clippers. So, on Sunday, while football was on, you know, the game's on and so forth, the Clippers played the Dallas Mavericks. And it was an embarrassing one for the Clippers. It was an embarrassing one. And I know they came, you know, they came off a road game versus Denver. They won. Okay. But this was embarrassing. This was embarrassing. Dallas, uh, the, the Luka and the Mavericks, they were desperate for a win because their first two games were were pretty tough. They had Phoenix at Phoenix and then obviously the Lakers at Staples Center on Christmas Day. So Dallas, you know, 0-2, looking for a win. And the Clippers just laid the egg. I, I mean, the Clippers just, they just got straight up mollywopped and embarrassed. Um, and it was a joke. The Clippers were down 50 points at halftime. No, I am not making this up. They were down 50 points at halftime. That is not a misprint. They were down 77 to 27. Um, and that was the largest, as you guessed, that was the largest deficit in NBA history at halftime. The largest deficit, I repeat, the largest. And I know some people, or like like the Clippers supporters, are like, oh, you know, they didn't have Kawhi, and it's early in the season. This is why... I didn't put all my eggs in one basket with the Clippers after opening night. This is why I did not understand why certain people were were, were just all in on the Clippers after opening night. This is why. <clears throat> I'm not sure if this team has fixed its problems from last year. But... Kawhi Leonard, he, you know, he set out, he did have the stitches. Um, I forgot the I forgot like the like the, the specific injury, but he had a he had a bad injury at Denver. Um, he needed stitches, he got stitches, but I think this was like his low management game. So there was no Kawhi Leonard, but that's still no excuse. Um but he got nine stitches in the mouth area. And like I said, they got straight up embarrassed. Straight up, just straight up embarrassed. And I don't even know, like, if you're Tyron Lue, I I would just be really curious, curious, or I would just want to be a fly on the wall to hear what was being said at, at, at halftime 
in that Clippers locker room. And then what was said after the game in that Clippers locker room. Because how do you explain that? How do you justify that? As a professional athlete, how do you justify being down 50? I don't care who's not out there. How are you down 50? How are you down 50? And people are oh, Kawhi wasn't there. Kawhi was out. And, you know, the Clippers, they, they had a road. Dallas is on the road, too. And when I mean Clippers, the Clippers were on the road versus Denver, but they're back home now. And I know it's an early game, but Dallas had a, you know, it, Dallas got to play the same at the same time. Dallas had no Kristaps Porzingis. And I know Kawhi and Kristaps Porzingis, Kawhi, he does more for the Clippers than what, than what Kristaps Porzingis does for the Mavericks. Okay, you want to make that argument? Sure. But there's still, you know, still two impactful players are missing from each team. So, like, what? Like, that's really no excuse. You shouldn't be down fifty. You shouldn't. And I still that's that's why I said I, I'm not I'm not I wasn't sold after opening night. That's why I didn't get I didn't get on that Paul George bandwagon. Oh, poor jo- Paul George is back and he's he's he looks good. He's on a mission. I didn't say any of that. I didn't say any of that. He played well. He did. He played well on opening night. Who cares, though? It's opening night. <laughs> Who cares? He played well, though. But with this Clipper team, I don't know. I think I feel I still feel like they lack leadership. I still think I don't know if this team has completely gotten over the absolute collapse in the playoffs. Versus Denver, like think about it. That that collapse, that that three one like lead that they blew, they blew that in October. They blew that back in September, October. That was September, right? September, October, September was it? It was like late. It was like late September, October. But my point is, usually, like usually when you lose in the postseason, you have like. A couple, you have several months to meditate and think about that. The Clippers, <laughs> they're back playing, so I'm I'm not sure if they have fully gotten over that deficit or that 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 playoff collapse that they that they had. But they fired Doc Rivers, who's Paul, and hired Tyron Lue, <clears throat> or promoted and elevated Tyron Lue from the assistant coach position to head coach. And and, and, and I think my thought process, a lot of people's thought process, uh, the Clippers' thought process, I thought it was like, okay, we're going to promote Kawhi, we're going to promote Tyron Lue because we think he has a better reach to get, you know, Kawhi and PG to buy in fully. That was my thought process. Now, was that going to ultimately, you know, solve and patch patch up all of the problems that they had last year? Mm, probably not. And we're seeing it right now. 
But I just, I just question. Okay, you 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 promote Tyron Lue, but he he was a part. He was he was still a part of that coaching staff that that just that just just that that was a that was a disaster. That was a disaster that happened in the bubble. So he was a part of that. I look at and 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 let me just point this out. Paul George, uh, I like Paul George's game. But he is full of excuses. He is full of excuses. Um, I, oh my gosh! And in in a press conference, he did say, "Yeah, this one's on me." And you know, we got to play better and all that. He said all that good stuff. But when is it gonna stop being on you? And when it when it, when is it gonna stop being on you? And you actually step up to the plate. I just think too many times Paul George is underachieving and underperforming to that. He's underperforming to the level where, like, Paul George is a good player. He's one of the better two-way players in the league. But in the biggest moments, he underperforms. And then it's either like, okay, I'm going to blame Doc. You really can't – you can't blame Doc no more. Doc's not there. Okay, my shoulders. And so I, I don't know. He, but he's just full of he's just full of excuses, and for the for the for the last couple of years, early on in his career, he was he was a he was a he was a decent performer in the playoffs, but in the last recent years, he has been underachieving in the postseason, and then to conclude that, he's made excuses about it. He's made excuses. It's it's either the shoulder or the weather. No, I'm not kidding. He blamed the weather for for a playoff for a poor shooting playoff game. Yes, he blamed the weather. It's either Doc. It's everybody else but Paul George. <laughs> it's everybody else but Paul George. And the reason why you got like if you're the Clippers, you gotta address this. Not Paul George and like not that, but. Because that's just, you know, you, you got to roll with that. But you got to address this. The Clippers, they have championship aspirations. They're trying to fight off the demons that they had in the bubble after just a utter collapse, that 3-1 lead. You're trying to rewrite the wrongs of that. It looks like they're going down the same path. I, I still see no leadership. Um, I'm not sure if Tyron Lue is like reaching these guys. I'm not sure. And I thought last year, and I think what was missing was what people don't talk about enough is go back and look at that Celtics 08 team with Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is known for being a player friendly coach. But as an assistant coach on that 08 Celtics team, he had Tom Thibodeau. And no, I don't agree with, with some of Tom Thibodeau's tactics as a head coach. I don't agree with some of those tactics. But I do think you have to have a balance. And Doc, with Doc Rivers being such a player-friendly coach, Tom Thibodeau was the right match as an assistant coach because he played bad cop. And I think the Clippers are missing some of that. 
But not only just Paul George, I look at a guy like Lou Williams. I look at a guy like Lou Williams. Lou Williams, obviously, we know he's 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 he he's one of the better rotation players, six six men, six men, six man players in the league. Like he's, I think he's won the award. He's won the six man a year, the six man of the year award like three times. He's won it like three four times. So like we all know he know he he does that role pretty well. But in the but but Lou Williams, I don't know if it's just me. Lou Williams has not been the same since that lemon pepper wing incident. Like he has not been the same. And my thought, this is this is also me. My perspective with this Lou Williams whole situation with the Clippers, I think the Clippers want him to take a leadership role, a veteran role where like he's more vocal and he speaks up about it, but Lou Williams had the attitude of, you know, I'm Lou Williams. I'm a vet. I've been in the league for 10 years. Everybody know this is how I roll. I come, I come in, I come into the gym, I get buckets, and that's the end off be all. That is the end all be all. That is what that is that is Lou Williams' attitude. I come into the gym, I get buckets, and then I'm I, I'm gone. Like no, like not no in between. I'm just gone. Peace, deuces. And I think that is that 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 type of energy, that type of attitude, that's toxic. That's toxic. That is toxic, and that doesn't help the Clippers. That does not help. But that is toxic energy. That's toxic. <laughs> that is toxic. So, and we heard the rumors in the offseason, the very brief offseason, about how they're trying to, you know, they're trying to trade Lou Williams. But Lou Williams on Sunday, he looked like, Lou Williams looked like a guy, he had a, he had a million places to be, but Staples Center was not one of them. Lou Williams on Sunday looked out of it. He looked out of it. And he looked, he looked like he had a million places he'd rather be in Staples Center was not one of those places. But then, you know, it's a star-driven league. It's a star-driven league. And when you have an opportunity, when a franchise has an opportunity to go out and grab these star players and get, you know, you do it. You go, you go out and do it. But I think the Clippers are starting to. Re- I, I think that this is the sad truth about the Clippers, and and the realization. Kawhi is a great player. He's one of the. He's the. He's the best. He's probably the best two way player in basketball. Kawhi is a great player, but since that playoff disaster in the bubble. Kawhi has been under the microscope, and I think he's been under the microscope for his leadership abilities. And the closer and the the the, the much more you look at it, the the closer you look at it, you look at those San Antonio teams, you look at that Toronto team, you look at those teams that he won the championship with. Kawhi may have been the best player on those teams. But he was not the leader of those teams. He was not leading those teams. 
He was the best player, no doubt about it. That San Antonio team he won a championship on. He, although he was very young, he was the he was probably the best player on that team. And then Toronto, you know, Toronto, he was the he was he was definitely the best player on the Raptors. But the Raptors had Kyle Lowry. The Raptors had Marcus Saul. The Spurs had Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich and Manu and Tony. Kawhi Leonard was not the leader of those teams. He was just the best player. And I think the Clippers are sad. Uh, the, the sad truth, the Clippers, they're starting to figure that out. He was the best player on those championship teams, but he was far, he was far from, from being the leader. He was not the leader of those championship teams. He was not. Simple as that. Simple as that. He was not the leader of those championship teams. And I think the Clippers, because some people thought Kawhi was like the quiet leader. You know, the, the leader that does, that's not vocal. He's not that. He's not that. And I think the Clippers are starting to realize that. But let's move on. Let's touch bases with James Harden. James Harden, you know, after two games, he's averaging about, I don't know, 39 and a half points. Can some can you pull that for me? Can you pull that up for me, Screen Man? Screen Man, can you pull that up for me? James Harden. Uh, what is he doing this year? Oh, yeah, that's right. James Harden this year, he's so far in his two games. First two games of the season, James Harden's averaging 39 and 12 assists. He's averaging 39 points and 12 and a half assists on 60% shooting from the field. <laughs> hey, James Harden may not be in the best shape. You hey, y'all can talk, you can you can talk about James Harden, you know, you can say strip club, you can say party, you can say he drink too much, you can say you can say he's not in the best shape. But he he ain't he ain't bucket getting shape. He gets buckets. He, you can say he's not in the best shape. He is. He's in the best shape to get buckets. He's in bucket getting shape. He's getting buckets. He dropped. He dropped forty four versus the um versus versus Portland, and he dropped thirty four versus Denver the other night, and he looks good. He had forty four and seventeen versus Portland. So you can say, like I said, you can say strip club, you can say party too much, but he and Buck are getting shape. But you know what this does to James Harden and these trade rumors and these trade value and his trade value? You know what this does? It only increases James Harden's trade value. His his trade value was already sky high. The Rockets were already asking for the house. They were already asking for everything. But with performances like that, um, his price will only increase. And like I said, you can say what you want about James Harden. You can say out of shape or overweight. <laughs> the dude, he's probably the most lethal offensive player in the game. He's probably the most, uh, he's probably the most Lethal offensive player in basketball. Uh, uh, the way how he's able to create 
offense for himself and others. He's able to create a shot. He can shoot the ball. He can finish it. I mean, he's probably the most lethal offensive player in the game. So, um, you know, the Rockets, they could, they could, they, they could ask for the house. <laughs> they could ask for the house. And they could, they could be getting something like an AD trade. The AD trade like included uh, uh, Brandon Ingram, who's now a who, who's now an All Star caliber player. Lonzo Ball, who's pretty good. He's a, he, he's improved his um, his jump shooting. Um, Josh Hart, and they got three first rounders. So they got three they got three solid players. Brandon Ingram being the best out of the three. Brandon Ingram is an All Star level player, and they got three first rounders out of the Lakers for AD. So I could see Harden getting traded for two, three solid players and two, three first-round picks easily, easily. And you look at the Rockets' new GM, Raphael Stone, you look at the position that he's in, This he's, he, he, he's, the, he's the new GM, and this is, pro, is going to be his – he's trying to make his first – he's trying to make a good impression. He's trying to make a good first impression, so to speak. I mean, because think about it. As a GM and your first trade, your first whole big trade, like acquisition or departure, is gonna be trading James Harden. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna get the most that you can get out of this trade if you're Raphael Stone. And this is this is like this is gonna be. His first good – this is going to be a good first impression for him if he's able to get back the assets that he wants. I mean, because think about it. And when we – in the NBA, you see this so many times where stars demand trades and they finally get traded. And most – and almost not – every time, every time the team that, that – the team that's trading away – the star player usually loses the trade. Usually. Because in the NBA, like I said, NBA is a star-driven league. And, you know, whoever ends up with the best player, the better player, they usually win the trade. Usually. But most times they're not. In this type of situation, the team that often loses the trade is the team that has to trade away the star. Now, Rafael Stone, the Rockets, they can go about this two ways. They can, they can, they can pull off the Anthony Davis trade, where, and I'm not saying a like trade for AD, but I'm saying get similar assets that the Pelicans got for AD. The the rock the, the and the Rockets can do it. It is very possible. The Rockets could, like I said, get two, three solid players. Um, one of those players are hopefully they're all stars. They're, they're already an all-star or, you know, trending in that all-star direction that Brandon Ingram was, um, and get two, three first-rounders. They can pull off the AD trade, or they can do <laughs> the Kyrie Irving trade where the where the Cavaliers just got robbed. The Cavaliers just got robbed by the Celtics in that Kyrie Irving trade. They, 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 they completely lost it. The Pelicans, uh, you know, did they did the Lakers win the trade? Yeah, because the Lakers got Anthony Davis. They won a championship in their first year. 
But the Pelicans are also in good hands. Like the Pelicans got three first rounders. <laughs> they got three solid players. One of those players are like an all-star, like a premier premium all-star type of player in Brandon Ingram. So you're gonna so the Rockets, you're gonna you're probably going to lose the trade, but it just depends on how you want to lose it. You want to lose it and get robbed like the Cavaliers did, or you know, David Griffin and the Pelicans work out that AD deal and you you get three solid players in return and three first rounders. And one of those, and I must say, one of those like obviously the the Pel- the, the Rockets are probably gonna want an all-star. They're probably gonna want an all-star. And that is why I think the Philadelphia 76ers, I wouldn't expect a trade soon. Like, I think the Rockets are going to let this thing play out. Um, I think I think they're going to let it play out longer than what people think. But I think Philadelphia is very much in play and, and probably have the most to give the Rockets or or not not necessarily have the most but have the the necessary assets that the Rockets would want because the Nets they're, they're probably not going to trade Kyrie so you look at what what Philadelphia could do Philadelphia can give you Ben Simmons a couple more players and some first rounders Philadelphia maybe may have the best deal on the table Philadelphia may have the best deal on the table so um, I'm going to shift gears to lastly to college, the college football playoff, the college football playoff. Can't wait for that on New Year's Day. I'm going to give you guys my picks um, to win the college football playoff. OK, so on to the college football playoff. Um, we have number one seed Alabama playing number four seeded Notre Dame. Um <laughs> I'm going to go with Alabama. Uh, I think this game, I don't think it's going to be, this is the Rose Bowl. If you want to know how weird, first of all, if you want to know how weird 2020 is, look at this. Take this for example. The Rose Bowl is traditionally played in Pasadena, California. Uh, We all know about California um, and its, you know, its laws as far as handling COVID and its restrictions. So, yeah, Rose Bowl will be played in Texas. Um, so <laughs> different type of Rose Bowl, but I think it doesn't matter where these two teams play at, Alabama will still win. Um, I'm not sure if Nord at first Alabama's offense is just so potent. Um, I mean they can run they can run the football, then they can throw it, they can sling it. It's just so crazy. It's so funny how the evolution of Alabama's offense and the way how they win now, because several years ago, like for instance, when they played Notre Dame in the national championship game, the way how Alabama played football offensively was just so different. They were run heavy, a lot of play action, not, not a lot of shotgun. It was not a lot. It was it was it wasn't all of this. Now, Alabama, they were defend. They were really stout defensively, and this they're still pretty good defensively. Um, but the way how they the way how their off offense operates, it it's it's night and day. But I'm not sure 
with this Alabama, I think the real test is going to be not versus it's not going to be Notre Dame's defense versus Alabama's offense because uh I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to slow down Alabama, but it's going to be about Ian Book in the plays he can make with his arm down the field versus Alabama. And I'm not I'm just not sold on Ian Book with with like winning games with his arm. Usually, usually to be an Alabama team, a Nick Saban Alabama team, think about the quarterbacks that have done it. Cam Newton, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. Like those are guys, yes, they can they're very mobile. They can move, they can get out of the pocket, but those are guys more so Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Those are guys that can beat you with their arm. They they can beat you with with their arm, and they can make some great throws. And I'm not sure if Ian Book is going to be able to make enough throws down the field, enough plays down the field to keep this game. Um, I don't want to say close, like it's going to be a blowout, but uh, I think Alabama is going to win convincing. I think Alabama is going to win comfortably. Um, it's going to be really close the first half, but I think Alabama starts to break away in the second half. I just think Notre Dame defense is going to be too overwhelmed. Um, and I think Ian Book, I don't know. they can, Notre Dame could run the football effectively, but I don't think Ian Book is going to be able to make enough throws down the field to win. And then the goody of them all, <laughs> not the granddaddy of them all, that's the Rose Bowl. but. We have um, we have Clemson and Ohio State. We have Clemson and Ohio State. Ohio State is the three seed. Clemson is the two seed. And we know Dabo, <laughs> Dabo has taken some jabs at Ohio State. Um, Clemson won. Clemson did win the game last year, but it was very controversial. Um, a lot of, a lot, if you let Ohio State tell it to you, if you let, if you let Ohio State fans tell it to you, they'll tell you that they should have won that game and they, they should have, they should have, but nevertheless, Clemson, Ohio, or Ohio State versus Clemson, this is going to be a really good game. This is the Sugar Bowl. So I'm going to go with Clemson. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think this, this game is going to be. A little bit more interesting, a little bit more compelling because of the backstory and what happened last year. It was a classic last year. So this game is going to be, I think it's going to be another classic. It's going to be another really good game. Um, I just don't think Ohio State's defense is as good as it was last year. Um, defensively, they don't, they have a good front set, good front four, but they, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's just the eye test. I don't know. If, if it's because Chase Young, I don't know, but they just don't have the same dominant pass rush that they had last year. Um, and then the secondary, it worries me. The secondary worries me because Indiana was able to make some plays um, a lot. I mean, not some. They made a lot of plays versus the secondary. And you're going up against Trevor Lawrence, um, best player in college football, uh, number one draft pick. You're going up against Trevor Lawrence. You gotta be able to stop him through the air. Travis Etienne is also going to be a, 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 a pretty 
X factor and a name that you're going to hear a lot during this game. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think Ohio state secondary will hold up. I think Ohio state's back in. I, I don't, I don't think it's as good as it is or as it usually is most years. I just, I just worry about that back end. even though Sean Wade will, will, will went out. He will have some revengeance on the way how last year's game ended, but I'm not, I don't, I'm just not sold on the secondary of Ohio state. Hopefully Justin Fields comes out and plays well. I'm not sure how that thumb injury is affecting him. I'm not sure if he's healed from it, but last time I saw Justin Fields in the Big Ten Championship game versus Northwestern, he did not play well. He did not have a, a good outing, but hopefully he turns it around. And I think, But I do think Clemson does win. It's going to be a really good game, classic, but I think Clemson wins. I think Clemson is the better team. And um, I will give you guys my college football. I give you guys my championship prediction um, late, you know, in the next few episodes <laughs> as it gets closer. So I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Once again, shout out to all the first time listeners. Shout out to all the last time listeners. Hope this isn't your first. Hope this won't be your last time listening. Excuse me. Um, shout out to all the DSPs that you guys are continue continuously to stream this podcast on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Big ups to you guys. Shouts out to you guys. Always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. One I'm out. Peace, deuces, gone.